I think the positives are always, of course, in, in real estate that you own. I, my dad, I've learned so much from him. He always said to me, buy real estate now and regret it later. So I think owning your own real estate, of course, is, is the best thing. And if you especially work in it as well, because at, at the end of it, you know, yes, there are, I mean, I've attended courses where they talk about the tax benefits of renting and not having to worry about anything and so on. But at the end of it, you know, 15 year, 25, 35, 40 year career, you have that property that's accumulated a lot of wealth in it and the value of it is much higher. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. This week's episode is a conversation with Dr. Rasa Abdul, a pediatric dentist regarding his practice called the Center for Pediatric Dentistry located in Gilbert, Arizona. Our discussion includes his path to pediatric dentistry and his philosophy on care. Dr. Abdul shares with us how he finally opened a new practice in his current building that he owned for several years prior. He strategically located his practice near where he lives, realizing the financial benefits of ownership, and we discuss how he delegates the day-to-day ownership tasks to a professional property management company. I hope you enjoy listening to this interview as much as I enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Abdul. Please join me next week for my interview with Robin Farman-Farmain, a health technology expert, entrepreneur, and public speaker. Rasa, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for agreeing to this interview. I'm excited for you to share with the listeners your experience as a pediatric dentist and being a physician owner of your own property where you operate your dental practice. Yes. So tell me a little bit about uh, the Center of Pediatric Dentistry in Gilbert, Arizona. How long have you been in business and you know, specific to your practice? I think being in that location, it targets a lot of growing families. Definitely, definitely. Well, I've been practicing now as a pediatric dentist for over 24, 25 years. Um, I had another practice that uh, I sold, which was a rental. I was renting that property and I sold that a few years ago, stayed on board, worked as an associate, and then decided to do my practice all over again. And I thought, what better place than my own a building that I had owned for a few years? Because uh, when I was looking around, it was really tough getting a good rent, um, a decent rent. So I thought, why not just go into my own property? So this idea started in 2019 early and then to late 2019 is when we actually opened up the practice uh, December of 2019 and of course worked for a few months and COVID happened and here we are. Wow. <laughs> yeah, COVID has thrown us all for a loop for sure. Yeah. So when you talk about uh, just, I want to touch on the real estate a little bit, then I want to talk about your practice a little more, but, um, you know, with regard to the rental rates, what I have found too, if, if you recall building this out, you know, your price per square foot for your improvements is probably north of well, north of $100 a square foot. Correct. 
And so, you know, you when you're thinking about leasing, you know, you're paying the lease rate, you'll get some of that tenant improvement from the landlord for the lease, but probably not that much, maybe half. So, you know, investing in this also saves you some money in the fact that because you have to invest so much in your tenant improvement build out, it makes a lot of sense to own your own space. It, it definitely did in my case too, because when I was searching for a uh, rental property, of course, I noticed that the uh, areas that I wanted to be in, the, the bigger, more popular, denser areas, um, the rent was high. But for some reason, these corporations were really not giving you much tentative improvement. And if I want a tentative improvement, a good amount, I had to go into properties that are more, of course, like medical dental. I really wanted to be in bigger plazas and uh, shopping areas and so on. So I noticed that difference. And I thought, you know what, if I go into my own building that I own, obviously, you know, I'm paying myself. So it's an investment that I get to keep and write off and so on. So yeah, it was a no brainer. I mean, I, I did kind of dabble on whether I should go into my own property or rent a property for a few months. But at the end of it, it was just a win-win for me to just go into my own property. And did you intend to be in Gilbert? Was that something strategic that you thought of or because um, Gilbert is growing? Or Yeah, the growth definitely did influence my decision, but I live at the border of Chandler and Gilbert. So I, I did not want to travel far, but also I had the uh, restrictive uh, miles from the previous uh, office. So I had to move a certain distance away, which worked out great because then, you know, kind of Gilbert is a place where my office was too. So I thought that like everything just turned out for, in my case, that it was a win-win and it worked out for me at the end. Nice. Nice. Well, let's talk about your practice a little bit. So when you went into dentistry, did you intend to focus on, on children's dental health care and oral disease prevention? No, honestly, my, my goal was just to get to dental school and get accepted and pass the years and, you know, make it through, um, but on my second year, I remember when we were put on rotations, um, I went to an adult clinic and I thought, oh, God, this this is not what I want to do. I do not want to deal with adults and their mouths. And there has to be another way. I, I honestly debated about dropping out, but um, I found out that there's a such thing as pediatric or orthodontics. So and I, I always enjoyed uh, being around kids and working with kids and helping kids. So. I kind of got drawn to that in uh, my third year. I requested to work at a pediatric office to kind of get the feel for it. And of course, I fell in love with it. And I decided after dental school to do residency in pediatrics. And my, my uh, residency was really nice because we were kind of dual trained with orthodontics as well. So I got kind of the best of both worlds, pediatric and orthodontics. After pediatric dentistry, I decided to join the Air Force and serve active duty. So that was a interesting thing too, because I served the Air Force as a pediatric dentist. So I saw the dependence. Oh, very nice. Overseas. I was stationed in Japan. Wow. And, you know, obviously now through the years, how important is it for a child to receive dental health care growing up in order to prevent dental issues as an adult? Oh, it's crucial. It's crucial. You know, in the old days, they thought baby teeth, why, why worry, let them fall out. I even remember when I told my parents I'm going to be a pediatric dentist, they said, really, there is such a thing as pediatric dentistry? Um, don't you just let the teeth fall out, even if they have cavities? So the mindsets have changed. And parents do really, uh, I think, seek out pediatric dentists for their kids' care. 
helping a child, you know, earlier on, not only with the dental disease, dental cavities, but also the growth and development of their jaw, their teeth, their skeleton, um, habits, you know, tongue ties, because I do that too, tongue ties, lip ties. I do a lot of uh, early interceptive orthodontics, expansions, and so on. You really help make a difference in this child's adult years to have less issues and less surgeries or less problems, less TMJ. So all around, it's been a very rewarding field. I truly enjoy doing what I do and blessed to do it. Absolutely. Your practice offers orthodontics, oral surgery, periodontics, and endodontics in addition to just pediatric dentistry, correct? No, just to kind of stand corrected, um, I don't do any periodontics per se, um, what, what periodontics do is uh, nowhere that I do anything like that. But if there's anything early help with children, so oral surgery, for example, of course, we refer them for wisdom teeth extractions. Anything perio that has to do with surgery or grafting will refer them out. Uh, my practice is from birth to 21. And then I do see special needs and that has no age requirement. I mean, I see special needs at 40, 50 years of age, only because unfortunately nobody else wants to see them. Um, any endodontics, I do refer out. But of course, if it has to do with baby teeth or with the special needs, then we'll do what we can, of course, to help them. Uh, because it's hard to send a special needs to an endodontist to be put to sleep to do endo because they don't do that. But we do that. We do have that advantage in our office, or if we do go to surgery centers and some of us go to hospitals to be able to provide that care. So it is kind of limited what we do, but it's not. We kind of tend to do a little bit of everything in our practice. But I do do a lot of uh, infants and tongue ties, lip ties, sleep apnea on children, uh, growth and development, early interceptive orthodontics, and so on. Well, and, and I'm sure with kids. So how do you, how do you guys, you know, you get kids in and they're, they don't even have a clue what's going to happen to them at the dentist. And many adults are still afraid to go to the dentist. So how is your office environment set up to address concerns with, with the kids and, you know, what's about to happen to them? Sure. I, I think really it has to do with impressions over 20 some years of practicing is what impression do you give that family or that child specifically, right? Because my, my focus is on the child from the moment they walk in through the door to not be in that, in that sense of, oh my God, like, you know, and be scared for them to be into a, a very friendly, relaxed environment. So I've always, uh, you know, had the idea of always making an office kid-friendly and kid-friendly looking, whether it's the decorations or the games or the movies or the background, how the office looks. So I think that's foremost very important so that when they walk through the door, a calm kind of thing takes over where they feel comfortable. Um, tricky, when I when I work on college kids, you know, I have to have an office that looks not very kiddish because, you know, the, a college kid does not want to come to a pediatric dentist that looks like, you know, it's a two-year-old's office. So I had to really balance that. And if you um, if you check out our website or come to the office, even look for a tour, I think we've done a good job of with all the decorations and the different stuff that really caters to all ages. And we get a lot of compliments from the older kids and the younger kids and the parents 
Um, but that was tough to do, to really have one office that caters to everybody without offending anybody. But I think it starts there first. And I think second is, of course, the approach. How do you approach a child? What do you say? How friendly are you? You know, are you this big, uh, intimidating guy? Are you uh, soft-spoken? And it's just, it's just stuff like that. It's the psychology of dealing with children, I think, that over the years, you just get better and better at that I've, I have that gift to deal with kids and, uh, and help them through it. But it's amazing working with kids. Kids are really amazing. You respect kids and you uh, get down to their level. They're very cooperative. They want to please you. Yeah. Yeah. They're very resilient if you, uh, if you explain Definitely. what you're doing first and let them know and kind of tell them what the end result will be. Definitely. So what are some of the latest uh, dental technologies you're using with, with kids? You know, over the years, there's been a lot of stuff and companies that come and present to you or you go to the dental um, conventions and you see stuff. One of the things that I'm really happy about that I've incorporated when I opened up this practice is an iTero scanner. I love the scanner. We don't do impressions anymore. No more gooey stuff in the mouth. So when you tell kids or parents that, they're like, oh, wow, really? So you're just going to put a camera and take pictures of the teeth? I say, yeah, it's that simple. We scan their teeth and press the email button and send it out to have the appliance made because I do do a lot of appliance and so on. So I, I think that has really helped to kind of let the parents know that, hey, these guys are really good with technology stuff because who wants to put that gooey stuff in a five-year-old's mouth? and take impressions when adults have a hard time with it too. And then other than that, I don't think there has been, I mean, I do laser, um, but our laser is soft tissue. I've tried my hands on the uh, laser for heart tissue also. Not a fan of it yet. And I think the price point isn't that friendly just yet, but it is improving. I think the price keeps dropping every year that passes. So who knows, maybe uh, we'll kind of look into that too coming up soon if the price is uh, at a, point where it's uh, affordable. You know, I think every time, every year, there's progress happening where it's more convenient as a patient and going to pediatric dentist with my children. I think that they do a really good job of not doing work that they know that they don't need to do, kind of anticipating that, you know, the mouths are growing. But if there's something that needs to happen, the technology is there to take care of it so that they can prevent a, a long-term problem, which is, I think, I think, amazing. Another, uh, the name skips my mind, uh, but we have this tool that we use also for parents who are not really kind of keen on x-rays, right? And they don't want the radiation. All the radiation nowadays with these digital x-rays are so minimal that it's really doesn't even count. But the, we have this uh, little camera that we put in the mouth, and it just kind of scans. You glide it over the teeth, and it scans. And if there are cavities or any interruptions in the enamel, it shows it on the screen, and you can see an indentation. So that's really a nice tool uh, for parents who don't want that x-rays or who or have that idea about x-rays you know, uh, not being very healthy. It's these little gadgets that have come out that really help us um, with parents who want a little bit more or they don't want the old techniques and they want something new. And of course, intraoral cameras are great because you can take a picture of the mouth and put it on the screen and let the parents see it and you can discuss and talk about it. And the other thing, when you said technology too, I was trying to, I was drawing a blank, but you know, all the uh, improvements of 
TVs and monitors and computers because we do iCloud dental software now through Dentrix Ascend. And I don't have to worry about networking anymore. So that's, you know, more, more for us, not so much for the parents. But that improvement, I think it just makes us run the office much smoother and better and not have to worry about losing data. And of course, you know, networking or this computer is down. Now it's just, I mean, x-rays that we take are into the clouds too, which is just amazing and impressive because we take panels and cephalometrics and these are digital. So um, these are high quality x-rays, but it just goes to the cloud and you have that account there and you don't have to worry about somebody breaking in and stealing your computers and stealing the data. So that technology is good for dentists, of course, but it helps us do a better job and stay more focused on the day in hand and so on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't think this technology was available when I was growing up, but it being able to see where the adult teeth are and and if they're missing any or just to identify any problems with the adult teeth and, and maybe be able to be a little proactive if there's if there's something that doesn't look right. I think that's been amazing. Yes, definitely. This is a good segue a little bit back into the operation of um, your practice and your real estate. So now that you've have a couple of years under you as a as an owner of your own real estate, do you have somebody that handles like the day-to-day operation of it as far as any repairs or maintenance? So this is a big question, you know, that um, I ask a lot of physician owners because they get into it. And obviously your passion is to provide the the dental care. So how do you manage someone taking care of the real estate portion of it? Sure. So I do. I did hire a property manager. Before I got into my own uh, building, I had two tenants there. And you know, I, I, the last thing, as you said, you want to do is to worry about what's going on and if something breaks and collecting the rent and so on. So I had hired a property management to run that aspect of it. And obviously, when the other tenant left and I went in, I just kept them because I still have another tenant in the building. So um, it's just a no-brainer for me to still use them because they run all the numbers and the reports and everything. And I've my LLC pays rent to my LLC that owns the practice, of course. Right. So it, it all just kind of works out at the end. But I, I think you do need, if I was maybe an only tenant, maybe I didn't have anybody to answer and you, know, you, you pay yourself a rent and you keep track of that and so on. But because I have another tenant, it's just less worries. And if something goes down, you know, they're there to take care of it. And if there's a complaint, I don't want them coming knocking on my door or trying to pull me away, say, hey, this is flooded or that's broken. So, yes, definitely a property management. I would do it all over again. Yes. Any of your other private practice, you know, healthcare clinicians that are that are thinking of purchasing their own building, do you have any lessons learned, either positive or or challenging that you can share with them as they're thinking about it? I think the positives are always, of course, in, in real estate that you own. My dad, I've learned so much from him. He always said to me, buy real estate now and regret it later. So I think owning your own real estate, of course, is is the best thing. And if you especially work in it as well, because at the end of it, yes, there are, I mean, I've attended courses where they talk about the tax benefits of renting and not having to worry about anything and so on. But at the end of it, you know, 15 year, 25, 35, 40 year career, you have that property that's accumulated a lot of wealth in it and the value of it is much higher. So lessons learned or any difficulty, I've been, I've been blessed and lucky. I haven't had any really challenges. Um, I bought this building back in 2008. So it's been a while. 
and I did not go in it until 2019. And I bought it, you know, when the recession happened, of course. So it was empty for the longest time. And I was always kind of questioning, why did I do this? This was a stupid move. And I'm just paying money and the, nobody wants to rent it. And we had advertised that we had done many things. But, you know, of course, during that time, who wanted to rent a business property? So it stayed empty. But now looking back, I am so glad that I did not let it go or I didn't sell it for uh, dirt cheap. Or And I kind of just hung in there and paid the mortgage and uh, we kept it. And here I am, you know, so many years later, who would have thought that I would have gone into it myself and I would have sold my last practice and so on. So I think, again, just buying real estate, it just made sense to me back then mm-hmm. uh, and, and even now. So Absolutely. I have no regrets. That's great. And if you're there, you know, you, you never gets away from you because you, you can address any concerns, um, you know, maintenance and repair as it, as right. it happens. Exactly. So, Rasa, we're going to move into the Q&A to get to know you a little bit. Sure. So what was your first job? My first job was growing up in my uh, dad's uh, Swenson's ice cream factory, scooping ice cream, washing dishes, serving tables, busboying. I mean, I did everything. And I was 14 years old. And this was in Georgetown, uh, D.C. Nice. Yep. Nice. What would you be doing for a living if you were not a pediatric dentist? Oh, boy, I've thought about that a lot. I don't know. My passion is music. I really enjoy music. So I would have probably gone into some sort of a music or producing or something like that. But uh, that's my big hobby is music. Oh, very nice. What or who are you reading or listening to right now for news, information, or inspiration? The, the name slips my mind, but uh, there's a guru, uh, Indian um, gentleman that I listen to a lot just for inspiration and learning how to deal with the world and every day task to task reading. I really, I, I read more dental stuff than daily life books or stories and so on. I'm not into that. So it's always kind of just educating myself. I'm boring that way, educating myself with dental stuff and reading articles. And of course, nowadays on your phone, there's all these, you subscribe and all these stuff pop up on your phone with dentistry. So a lot of that, of course, online reading of dental stuff. Your patients are, are grateful and their parents as well. So what is one thing you do every day for healthy self-care? A bit of meditation in the morning before I go to work, exercising when I come home, um, which has helped me a lot because you know my health a few years ago was kind of deteriorating. I had gained weight and cholesterol and so on. And happy to say I've lost a lot of weight and not taking any more cholesterol meds, but uh, meditation and exercise. I think that has been, and listening to music, which is my go-to uh, source, but that has helped me a lot. That's nice. So do you think a person is born with a desire to heal and be a clinician, or is it only learned through their healthcare training? Boy, that's that's interesting. Um, I think a little bit of both, but you do have to be a caring person compassionate, I think, to begin with, to be successful in what you do. Because if you don't have that intuition in you to look at somebody's eyes or feel the nervousness or the scare, and you're kind of just cold stone with those emotions and feelings, 
I, I don't think you'll be as successful because you can't read people. I think that's something I do believe I have a gift to read people and sense when somebody's nervous or scared or how they're looking. Or if I have to repeat myself because they're drawing this blank without them saying anything, I have that intuition that I need to repeat myself. So I want to see a little bit of both, but more that you have to be kind of born with it and have it in you, the heart and the empathy and to see people if they're down or if they're suffering, to talk to them as a human being, not so much, um, I'm your doctor and I'm telling you this and uh, too bad. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, I, I have moms that come in and sometimes, of course, you know, when their little one, the three-year-old Johnny has, let's say, 10 cavities, unfortunately, of course, that's hard, right? That's hard for a mom to hear. Nobody wants to hear that because the first thing the parent thinks is that, oh, I'm a bad mom or I didn't do a good job. And that's not the case. And I always reassure them of that. And I share them quickly a story that I tell them, I'm a father of two kids. And when my kids were growing up, each of them had four cavities. And I tell them, please don't judge me. I'm, I'm, a den I'm telling you that to just share that story with you because I see that you're upset or you're, you know, you're judging yourself, of course. So it's these little things that I think, I think you have to have it in you. And I had it in me before dental school, um, but dental school just taught me to be a clinician. And it brings that out of you more because you have to have empathy for people and dealing with people and talking to people. Yeah, well, and especially with kids, because you have to, you have to calm the child. And then, yeah. like, as you said, you know, you have to reassure the parents that, you're giving this child over to this clinician and, and, you know, you're trusting them and, and that's a, that's a huge, it's a big leap sometimes if there's, if it's something serious. The fact that they trust you with their children to do anesthesia, imagine putting yeah. a child to sleep to do a sedation, right. And to do all this dental work and to put appliances in their mouth and for them to go into their pocket and have to spend that money. They have to trust you. They have to see what you see. They have to yeah look in your eyes and feel you because it's it's not you know you you don't you don't want to come across as a used car salesman that hey your kid needs this your kid needs that and talk to the front desk and good luck you know <laughs> no it's it's more than that it's really more than that I I really believe in educating the parents too and showing them stuff and watching videos together and seeing if they have any questions. Um, and then ultimately, I, I really, I'm not a pushy clinician. I like to leave it in their hands to make that decision. And it, no judgment passed. You do what you think is right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Rasa, for this wonderful uh, interview. It's It's been great. And I, I really appreciate your time. Oh, no problem. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.